in Romans chapter 8, you know, it's one of the, really, Romans chapter 8 is one of the richest chapters in the Bible. It, uh, it's a passage of hope, it's a passage of blessing, it's encouragement, it's got comfort, and uh, there's blessings in it and described, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 sets the tone for the whole chapter when it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I, I am so relieved by that, thrilled by that. There aren't words. Uh, I guess relief is the best we can come up with, but... You know, when you understand truly that you're a sinner, when you realize that you're undone, that you're lost, and then you find out and you realize that there is a way, God has made a way for you to be saved from your sin. And there's no condemnation. Uh, What a blessing. Romans, Paul writes this in, in it's just a help for our hearts, amen? No condemnation. So let, let those words sink in for just a minute. You know, no condemnation. Every sin which you have committed, every sin, whether there's, you know, you can't number them, but each and every one of them is a reason for you to spend eternity in hell. Each sin, the very smallest, if there was such a thing, all right, we put values on, we go small sin, big sin, etc. That's just us. God doesn't see it that way. God sees sin. But uh, the very, the very minutest would be to us sin, to the grandest when we turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ, he takes that upon himself. And because he's done that, there's no condemnation. Because we walk after the Spirit. Think about this. We're no longer under God's wrath. We're no longer under in danger of God's judgment. Yes, there's a, there's a Bema seat judgment, but that's not a condemnation we we'll, may lose some crowns. We may not have as many as we'd like. We may, you know, face questions. What did we do with the time that we had been given for the cause of Christ? But indeed, no condemnation. The believer, we're just, we're no longer separated from God by this great gulf of sin. That's a blessing, you know. We're, we're, the, the scriptures tell us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's why when we pray, you know, we, we, this morning I mentioned the very fact in my prayer to the Lord as we gathered together to pray was we have that because of we are drawn nigh to Christ. And because of that, we have the access to the very throne room of God himself. And what a blessing. Well, Romans chapter 8 unfolds in a, the weight of our blessings in Jesus becomes abundantly clear. If you look at verse number 14 and 15, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. I'm glad to be a son of God. 
Because I realize something, okay, in the way the, the wording is put in this, this is written in a time when inheritance is important. See, now inheritance isn't all that important. It really isn't. In our society today, uh, inheritance, now, it's only important to the, the one who's going, well, I hope when granny dies that I get that car of hers, or things like that. But when this is written, when God's example was put before us and he inspired Paul to write this, it's in a time when inheritance was something huge. You know, there, there's no, uh, I mean, it's, it is truly, look at, look at all those that, that the inheritance assisted and then look at those that the inheritance was wasted. Inheritance is a big thing. And so with this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I have an inheritance. Amen. And it's a God-style inheritance. What a blessing. You know, so believers, we're the sons of God. Verse 17, believers are joint heirs with Christ. That's that inheritance thing. With Christ. I like that fact. You know, in, in God's in God's uh, way of writing, the way things went with inheritance back in the Old Testament, and up to this point, even Paul knew this, is it was the first son that got everything. The second son didn't. The third son didn't. It was the first son that got everything. Hey, but guess what? Look at verse number 17 here. How does it say this? And if children, now are you children of the Lord? Amen. Amen. If children, then heirs, heirs of God. And what's that word? Joint heirs with Christ. We're not second. We're not third. Throw that in your I can't believe it pile. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, according to God. That's huge. That's, that's something to glory about. In verse 19, believers will be glorified with Christ. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. We're glorified with Christ. When you go and you read further on in the scriptures, you get into the, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ to the apostle John. John writes that. Look at all of the glory that is given to God, to Jesus, the, the one who is able to open the seals, the one who is able to judge. And we're given that joint glory with him. If you remember in John chapter, uh, John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer, all right, the actual, what I consider the true Lord's prayer, is Jesus asks God the Father, so God the Son asks God the Father, that I would, that they which you had given me, would be with me to see the glory which I had, which was before. Because he wants us to see that, because he wants us to share that. Think about that. The other blessings are every event in a believer's life is being worked out for God or for good by God. Every single event 
Amen. And now, if you've ever had an event, let me, let me just put it this way. If you've ever had an event in your life that was devastating, during that devastating time, you're sitting there asking yourself, I don't see how this can ever glorify God. But see, now here you are today, and you're out of that event, and God gets the glory. You know, you think about Kelly. There was probably days in Kelly's, and I'm just going to, you know, you can tell me, no, she's nodding ferociously back there. You know, Melissa, the same. Those who've gone through medical things, those who've gone through battles, you know, uh, Kyle and Shauna without children, and now they've got two. There's a time going, how is this ever going to be good? Well, everything in a believer's life is being worked out for good by God. Chapter 8, verse. look at verse 28. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. There's a reason for it. There's a reason. You know, you think about this. You, you can go on the superficial, right up front reasons for it. Why, did, why does someone go through a cancer scare and go through all this treatment, go through all this stuff, okay? And I'll just, I'll just use the Kelly as the example because that's fresh in our minds. All right. Well, she went through all this. Maybe superficially, it's because because of where she was at and getting treatment she was at. We got introduced to a cancer care ministry called Our Journey of Hope. My wife and I go to training. We are now training six or eight people beginning today. She's one of them because now we have a ministry to not only ourselves and the church but to those who are in our community, a ministry that's never been done before, a much-needed ministry. You think about it. How many people, raise a hand, how many people have cancer touched your family? Whether it's your mom, dad, brother, or sister? Yeah, every single one. Every single one. You know, and so every, every event... You know, we think about this. There was, there was events, people lose a job. They get notice. Oh, your job's being terminated. And uh, we don't have anything else for you, so you're on your own. Goodbye, have a nice life, etc. And then you, you, know, you go through the, well, what is going on? What am I going to do? You start fretting. You start getting concerned. You just, hey, turn it over to the Lord. We've talked about that the past couple messages here. Turning it all over to the Lord. God sees those events and he makes it good. You know, I'm thinking, you know, it's like, okay. And for the most part, that I, my examples that I'm going on in my brain right now, the job's much nicer, much, it's a better job and everything's going wonderful. Amen. And you have an opportunity to witness to people. There's just so many things. You know, and believers are, we're actively being transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's another thing here in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 29. I'll never get through the introduction if I don't get moving along. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Hey, this verse causes a lot of folks some trouble, folks. It does. 
that word predestinate, they get into, oh, no, oh, no, oh, you know, that's, the Calvinists love that. You know, oh, yeah, God knew who he was going to choose. No, no, no. The predestination is that he knew that those who did choose him would be sons. That's it. Just like I guarantee you, I know who's going to be president in 2020 election. The fellow who is elected. That's the predestination. Who's going to be inaugurated January of 2021? The one who won the election. That's it. I did say fella. Amen. Believers are eternally secure in their salvation. This is what we're shouting about right here. Not only, not only, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I mean, that right there is worth throwing up a huge hallelujah, praise the Lord, screaming match right there. But, Verse 30, check this out. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Yep. And we know, we know from Christ's words himself that he will lose none of what the Father has given him. Amen. I like that. Believers enjoy the Lord's support against every adversary they face in life. Think of all these things. Romans chapter 8 is awesome. It's wonderful. You get that verse 31 through 37 that's supporting. Uh, you know, it, it just... <clears throat> and we're never going to be separated. Looking through Romans chapter 8 here, verse 38 and 39, so we can move along here. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. And it was a little bit of lawyer speak right there. I think when you read through that whole list of all these things, death, knife, nor angels, principalities, nor powers, nor things, nor height, nor depth, nor other creature, it goes on the way through. God just wants us to realize there is nothing, nothing can separate us from him, from his love. I mean, those truths ought to be enough to cause us to just, you know, humble ourselves before the Lord and just fall on our face and worship and praise him. You know, you think about it. The, you, the thought, but we want to look at today though, is there's a verse I skipped over and didn't mention it. And that is this thought about our struggles. When we're, when we're groaning. When we're groaning. And so we're going to take a look at verse number 18, if you would, with me now. Chapter 8, verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. we got to get a hold of that, folks. We really need to get a grip on that verse. We have amened and praised the Lord and and I uh, preach it and all the other things we can agree with and say of all these things to chapter 8. But we really, 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 really need to get a hold of the truth and the concept and the very essence of what verse 18 is saying here. 
For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, not worthy to be compared, not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Think about that. You know, Paul uses the word sufferings. And it's an expressive word. And when you look in the dictionary, it says that that which one suffers. Don't you love it? I, 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 maybe I need somebody buy me a new dictionary or something. But sufferings, that which one suffers. I, it just cracks me up when you find that. But, uh, and then it says suffering. Oh, great. Now it gets to the meat of things. Misfortune, calamity, evil, affliction, the afflictions believers must go through because of their association with Christ and his kingdom work. That's interesting. That's good Christian dictionary, by the way, that comes up with that in the definition. Because it's true, sufferings. We all know anyone, anyone endures suffering to some degree, right? We all do. Uh, we know about the sufferings of Job. We know about the sufferings of Paul. We know about the sufferings of Stephen. We know about the sufferings of the Lord. We also know there'll be experience, all right? And we're going to experience our share of sufferings as well. So, you know, don't get thinking, well, you know, I, I'm not going to. Uh, I don't really have sufferings. Well, you know what? Every hospital visit, Reminds us there's some suffering. You know, every cemetery you pass by is a vivid reminder of the suffering and pain of our earthly lives. It may not be suffering medically. It may be suffering, you know, emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. Uh, every siren we hear reminds us that the world's a place full of suffering. And the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus himself made it very clear that suffering is part of our earthly existence in him. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace, he said. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The sufferings, you know, these battles we're going to go through. You know, we suffer because, you know, sometimes it's just given unto us by God to deal with something. We talked about this in the past couple of weeks. You know, there's, there's burdens to carry. There's sufferings to go through. They build us. They build, build our character. They build our spiritual strength. They build our stand with the Lord. And sometimes uh, we go through sufferings because we just make foolish decisions. <laughs> really. Uh, you know, I don't I go through my life and think about how many times I heard that old axiom, boy, Tom, you sure learned the hard way. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> of foolish decisions. You know, it's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this. Well, I'd, I'd use that over there. No, I'm going to do this. And, you know, later on that day after, you know, you know how it is, I'd eventually hear, boy, you sure learned the hard way. Yeah, we make foolish decisions. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and he said, be not deceived, God's not mocked. God is not mocked for whosoever man, whatsoever man soweth, that he shall also reap. 
Yeah, we do foolish things, expect sufferings. I have another axiom I use. I've, I've used this for quite a while. Theron knows it. He, he gets to hear me say it a lot of times about myself. Stupid ought to hurt. You know, I, I think about that when I do things like, you know, hammer my thumb or cut a finger off or, you know, do something really dumb. And I suffer for it. Well, we, sometimes we suffer because we make foolish decisions. Sometimes... We suffer because those around us make foolish decisions and we get caught up in the tragedy of it. You know, we tell our grandchildren and we told our, ch- our children, careful who you hang out with. You know, you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. You know, that, that, was, that group of kids is out there throwing rocks at streetlights, don't hang out with that group of kids because I'm not paying for streetlights. I don't care if you threw a rock or not. It's one of those things, you know. And sometimes we suffer because of our association with Jesus. That's the, if we could suffer with any sort of glory or good comfort, it should be that. You know, Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy in his little epistle to Timothy. He said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, if we're going to suffer, granted, okay, yeah, we're human. We're going to suffer because we do something foolish. We're going to suffer because we were with somebody who was doing something foolish. But if we're going to suffer because we have a, a testimony of being a Christ-like Christian and we're just following him, then there's some suffering. That's, that's what I would call good suffering. If I want to suffer, at least I want to suffer with a good suffering. Amen. You know, we're never alone in our sufferings. If you would, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter number 5. There are times when we do suffer physically, we suffer emotionally, and we suffer spiritually. But I think we all agree here that we, we are never alone in our sufferings. We really are never alone in our sufferings. And, and, and Peter, it's written this way, and it's very wonderful. In 1 Peter chapter 5, looking and starting in verse number 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Now, we'll stop here for just a second. And why would you want to submit yourself to the elder, the one who's more senior? Because of that thing about making foolish decisions. Okay? Now, it doesn't mean hanging out with the old guys is not going to make foolish decisions. I've, I've hung out with Terry and Ken. And, uh, so, but indeed. Uh, and so this is why, you know, that be, you be clothed in humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Typically, we stop reading right there. We use that verse. Well, you got to watch out. Satan's out to get you. Satan's out to get you. But watch this. Who's he trying to devour? Who's he trying to devour? 
whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are, that are in the world. Hey, you and your brethren have got the same problems. He's trying to get everybody. He's trying to get everybody. You're not alone in this. When you're going through physical, emotional, spiritual sufferings, you're not alone. There's always somebody who's going through it or has been through it, or might I say will be going through it too. And it's, the, it's those who will be going through it. It's why we do what we do in learning, studying, and preparing ourselves in our hearts with the scriptures so that we're able to be that help me, that one who can, can bring, that one who it says here, the uh, elder, okay, in a situation because we've either been there, done that, and got the t-shirt, or we've been through it, done through it, we learn the hard way. But the one key is we've been there. We've learned it. We've, you're not ever going to go through anything no one else has ever gone through. There just isn't that many things to go through. With 7.8 billion people on this planet, there's not 7.8 billion things to go through. We've all gone through some. But he, look at that verse 10 though. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory to Christ Jesus... After that, you have suffered a while. Make you perfect, established, strengthen, settle you. That's the whole, that's wonderful. That's the, that's the glory of it. That's the blessingness of it. You know, Paul knew what it was to suffer. He did. Jesus knew what it was to suffer. Job knew what it was to suffer. So the scriptures are full of accounts given testimonies given of those who knew what it was to suffer and even those who suffered for their faith in Jesus Christ you know you get a picture of Stephen here here's Stephen a healthy young man he just his only problem is he loved the Lord he was given witness and given testimony he was being a witness in the testimony. He was being the light. And then they killed him. You know, he knew what it was to suffer. And we know in varying degrees what it is to suffer. So as long as we live in this world, there will be suffering. Amen? There will be battles. There will, as long as we're here, as long as we're here, there's going to be some suffering. And that's the nature of a sin-cursed world. So let's take a look about this blessings. We looked at the, the sufferings or the battles, now the blessings. Paul mentions, look at this in our text here, the glory that shall be revealed in us. This looks forward to the day. Verse 18, chapter 8, verse 18, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This looks forward to that day when we're home in heaven. Looks forward to the time when this earthly life with all of its sufferings and all of its problems and all of its pain and all of its agonies are done. 
It's gone. We're going to be in the very presence of God in heaven with our Lord and Savior. Amen? The phrase revealed in us, it, it, it anticipates a time in which uh, we will be made like Christ Jesus. There's so many good things about being a Christian. <laughs> I mean, there is. There's, there's promises given. And we know God never breaks a promise. So there's promises given to us because of our faith in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done that, that there is nothing the lost world out there has to offer that could compare. You know, Let's, so we're going to explore this, this line for just a second here on the fact that these blessings, the glory that shall be revealed in us. And we find a lot of that in the book of Revelation. So if you would, let's go first to, to Revelation chapter number 5. Some of the glory, some of the things, well, for some reason it just struck me as this is just an awesome thing. Maybe it's because I like music, I like the choir, I like the special musics that we play here, I like the fact we sing hymn books, and I like knowing what the words of the songs are, amen? And chapter 5, verse 9, we get that too. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast Thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Hey, heaven's going to be a land of music. That's kind of neat. I don't know if we're going to need guitars. Someone says, well, all the angels play harps and stuff. I don't know. All I know is we're going to be singing and saying, and that's just the way it's going to go. We already know what some of the words are, so practice up. Amen? Amen. Heaven's going to be a land of praise and worship. All of chapter 4, read that this afternoon on your own. All right, all of chapter 4 is about praising and worshiping Him. It's going to be a land of perfect service as well. Perfect rest, chapter 14. I mean, it's going to be a land of rejoicing in Revelation chapter 19. We don't want to go through all those because my voice is getting about done now. But anyway, you know, heaven is going to be a land where the sufferings of this life will not be permitted to follow us. The groanings of this life are done. So we got groanings now, but we got glory then. Amen. Revelation 21, we'll go ahead and read this verse number four together. And God shall wipe away all, what? Tears. tears. Probably got that one figured out before you even found the page. All tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, or neither sorrow, nor crying, nor shall there be any more pain. It would be okay to put a big amen right there. For the former things are passed away. Groanings now, glory then. What a blessing. Heaven's going to be a land of intimate fellowship with God. What a blessing. You know, that is, that is so much to look forward to. And that is one of those things that we can, you know, if we're not in our deep valley right now, if we're sitting on a mountaintop or if we're, you know, up near the mountaintop 
or we're rejoicing in somebody else's mountaintop, uh, we can sit here and go, yeah, amen and amen and amen and oh yes. and no. But when, guess what? When we get into a valley, six months ago for Kelly, you know, year, two years ago for Kyle and Shauna, you know, uh, so many have lost. You know, we, we think about, you know, we've, our precious Dorothy, you know, uh, Jack Ford, you know, Gloria, all these that we have, have, you know, John and Ruth, that we've, you know, Reba, and the list goes on and on, that we have lost, you know, praise the Lord, we see them again. You know, but we, we get to this point where, you know, six months ago, for Kelly, and like I said, uh, a, a year and a half, two years ago, for Kyle and Shauna, it was probably five years ago for Melissa. You know, we're trying to say, well, it'll be okay, we'll pray for you. And they're going, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I think that's why God has put his word in our language, in English, in the King James Bible for us, so that when all those who have gone home and all those who have left our house, they've left our bedside, and all the, you know, the, the well-wishers and, and all this, we can know that we can get into the Word of God and we can find some consolation. We can find the fact that there's going to be a change that's taken place. We can find what he says. Go back to, in, into uh, Romans 8, verse 18. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oftentimes we read that. I'm not even sure many times that verse is read by itself. It's just kind of gone through when you're doing your three chapters for the day in your readings. You're trying to read the Bible through in a year, and well, that's just in there, and you go through it. But read it for what it says. The promise of just that one verse will get you through those times. You know, those of us that are sitting here on top of the hillside, uh, yeah, even with, you know, <laughs> colds, sinuses, all that stuff, sure, we realize. You know, we're going to be changed. This is nothing. This is nothing. We used to have a, a, staying, a saying when I was in the Navy. The chief would want us to go do something or we'd be, you know, given down to, we have a young guy, excuse me, he'd be sent down to mess duty for, you know, down to the galley, peel potatoes and, and boil everything. I don't know why the Navy boils everything. Prime rib, they boil it. But anyway, <clears throat> he'd send guys down there and he'd say, well, how long? Well, just three weeks. And they'd start to complain and other guys would say, oh, look, I could stand on my head for three weeks. You know, in other words, hey, it's nothing. That three weeks is nothing. How long is your enlistment? Well, six more years. All right, three weeks, you could stand on your head for three weeks. You know, hush up and go on down the galley. And we would just say that. And I, I think about that. I've, my kids have heard me say that. You know, hey, I could stand on my head for that long. Meaning, it's nothing. We look at this life, we look at the struggles we go through in this life, and we have encouragements such as this. We go through the, the struggles, 
And we realize that this life is just a vapor. It's a vapor. It goes away. And, you know, we're on the top of the valley, so it's easy for us to say, oh, man, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We need to build, just like the Scripture tells us, we need to build the faith for when we're in the valley while we're on top of the mountain. And the understanding of that. We need to put this verse in our acumen. We need to put this verse, verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You need to put that verse, uh, make it a, a, a verse that you keep prevalent, you know. Type it out, clip it out, do whatever, however you want to do it. Stick it on your mirror when you're brushing teeth in the morning, shaving your face, you know, whatever. Just, you know, keep that as a, it's a reminder. Because guess what? If you're not in a valley right now, you will be. You will be. And just to continue on with that. You know, we think about it. One day we're going to end our earthly life here. And we're going to fly away to glory. Amen. Amen. We're going to leave these bodies. And uh, the very moment of our death. And that's a blessing. You know, it just, it must have been something to be Paul. All the stuff that the Lord and parted unto him and gave to him and all the knowledge that he gave to him. Here's Paul, this wicked church abuser. This guy was persecuting everything else and, and, and God used him in such a great way to remind us. It was Paul who said, and it's because God inspired him, but Paul who said that we are confident, I say willing rather, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. I'm so thrilled that, you know, I have these promises. You know, you think about it. What lies ahead for a Christian? Well, rapture's just ahead. Amen. We don't even know this message will end this morning. I know you're hoping it will, but uh, we don't even know. It might simply woof and we're up out of here. You know, amen. We don't know that. Rapture's just ahead. And if the rapture's just ahead, that means your reward's just ahead. Amen. That means the perfect kingdom of our Lord and Savior is just ahead. So, the psalmist wrote, Weeping may endure for a night. Joy cometh in the morning. Yep, amen. Hey, when we go through this life, there's going to be times when our heart will break. There's going to be times when we struggle and we have sadness and sorrow and agony and all this. All right? Uh, there's going to be times when you suffer because of your faithfulness in Christ. You know, I mean, if you look at the way the world's going now, it might be a lot sooner. Uh, it might be more prevalent in our society if the Lord tarries. You know, it just, it is. But uh, there's going to be problems in your body. There's going to be problems in your family. There's going to be problems in your job. There's going to be problems in your, in your heart. There's going to be problems in your spiritual walk. You know, you're suffering. However, it will not last forever. You stand on my head. You know, you're going to be released. You're headed home. Everybody, every one of us. 
You know, I, I, I like that analogy. I know it's a very childish analogy, but, you know, I have a bus ticket. I have the bus ticket. When I buy the bus ticket, where do I go? I go to the bus stop. I'm waiting for the bus. I'm excited for the bus. I don't get a bus ticket and then just go wander off and don't think the bus is coming. Hey, I have salvation. I have a promise. I'm waiting for that promise to come. I'm waiting for that promise to arrive. You know, and I'm looking forward to that opportunity. Stand there on the bus. How many of you, I know the Millers take bus twice a year, once twice a year. Because I take them up to, to uh, Depew and take them to the, well, it's a train actually. Take them to the train. Same thing, bus, train. Same thing, slower than a jet. But you get there. Okay, take an airplane, put it this way. You're sitting there and you got your ticket, you're waiting at the gate or whatever, and everybody's talking about where you're going. Oh, who are you going to see? Where are you going? If they're friendly. I don't know, it seems like maybe the train station crowds might be a little friendlier than airplane crowds, but, but anyway, it's always talking about, you know. Yeah, well, that's, what that's our job. Christian, we have our ticket. All right, I, I said, it's a childish way of putting it. But we have been granted our access through our faith in Lord Jesus Christ. So we've, there's nothing to purchase. There's nothing to do. There's nothing. Uh, we're not promised the very next breath that we take. And we shall see Jesus. And so our suffering here, you know, it would just, you think about it in this manner of speaking, then we'll, we'll, we'll quit. But suffering here, just has a way, and I think this is why God allows it. Suffering here just has a way of increasing the glory there. And giving us an opportunity. You know, everything with God is perfectly balanced. You know, we know the, the theology behind just as awesome as heaven is then the exact counterpart to that is how horrible hell is, etc. And so those sufferings we go through here just help us to get a better idea of just how awesome and how much glory there is for us in heaven. And, you know, it might be, that, yeah, there's people that go through, they get these great sufferings in life. You know, you think about these children, my, my niece, um, my sister Patty's daughter, childhood leukemia, the suffering she had to go through. Now she's, she's cleared and free and all that, you know, from the disease and everything uh, and all that. But the suffering that she goes through as a child, she'll carry that with her her whole time in agony. But, but if she trusts Christ Jesus as her Savior, there's, there's that which... You can take great consolation in, indeed. You know, what a blessing. You know, think about it. We just rest in his promises, amen? And that his will will be done. We praise him, we glorify him, we honor him, and we praise him in spite of what we face in life. In spite of what we, what we face in life. Because it could always be worse. And I don't mean, well, you could have died. Because if you're a Christian, well, that you just got, if you didn't die, you just got cheated out of going to heaven. So that's, you know, but, you know, it could be worse. I don't know. I, I go through thinking, well, what could be worse than cancer? I don't know, but I'm thinking Job's boils from the top of his 
head to his toes, bottom of his feet. You know, uh, the things that are agonizing. You know, uh, just, I don't know, uh, what could be worse? How about losing family? The agony. How about, you know, there's just so many things. We all have our imaginations. We all know, we, if we were going to in this room, we could come up with any number of things that would be worse than whatever. But we just joy in knowing that what the Bible says, verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Oh, you know, we groan now for glory then. 